Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, howdy. I'm Dave <laughs> Butler. <laughs> I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We're so happy you're here. This is our scripture study podcast channel. Move through the New Testament this year, pointing out everything you love and don't want to miss. So, um, this one's awesome. It ends so good. We're saving the best for last. We're calling it, it's Matthew 19 through 20, Mark 10, Luke 18. And we're calling it the good master. This is something that um, someone we're going to meet today, the rich young ruler, is what you might know him as. Um, this is something that he's going to call Jesus. But we love that you kind of see this theme throughout the entire... All the stories. Yeah, all the stories yeah. kind of happen to have this, this theme through them. So let's jump in. The first section, if you go to Luke 18... There's this parable that starts out, and this is one spot where I think it's important to note that all parables don't have a match to match for everything. Otherwise, you'll read some of them and just kind of like, hold on, that doesn't seem right, or this is missing, and, and, and you have to remember, it's like, oh, I'm just kind of comparing it to something. I'm not like, yeah. this is exactly well, what's and, happening. And you ever notice this too? That sometimes you'll read one parable at one time in your life and it will mean something to you. And then you could read it two decades later and be like, oh, now I see this, this woman aspect, in a yeah. totally different way than I maybe would have seen her because of life experience or circumstance or perspective changes. And you kind of love that a parable can grow and shift with where your level of knowledge is or where your need of knowledge is. Yeah, yeah, well said. So this first one, for example, Luke 18, right at the very beginning, it says, and he spake this parable unto them, and he said, um, to this end. So his purpose in this parable was to convince people to pray always and not faint, right? And so it makes you kind of think like, why is someone going to stop praying? And it's like, oh, well, you'll see in the parable that someone would stop praying because they didn't get the answer. That's why they would faint, right? If prayers came, if answers to prayers came initially right after, people would just always do them, right? Yeah. They would never give up on them. And he says, there was in the city a judge, and this was a bad judge. They didn't fear God, and they didn't regard people's feelings or didn't really like anybody, verse 2. So right off the bat, <laughs> verse two, you know, you just know <laughs> in verse 2 that this judge is meant to be kind of like, oh, if you read it and said, that's nothing like God, like God, you know, likes people and stuff. He's like, yeah, this is where you wouldn't want to necessarily connect things exactly. But there was this widow in the city and she came saying, avenge me of my adversary. Like someone's done me dirty and I need you to like, you know, put him in jail. And he said, and he wouldn't for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, oh, though I fear not God, nor regard man, who says that to themselves, by the way? Like, Even though I, know what I don't, everybody thinks about me, and it's true. <laughs> yeah, I don't go to church, and I don't like people. But verse eleven, because this widow troubles me so much, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. You know, and so it's like, and the Lord said, "What do you listen to?" What that unjust judge said. 
right? And he says, Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? So there's something about this where he's just saying, listen, if there is this like grumpasaurus Scrooge judge who is going to intervene in somebody's story just because the person was bothering them, if someone like that is going to answer and help someone out, don't you think God is going to help out his children? You know, if someone that that low of a human's going to do it, don't you think God would? And don't you love when he's like, and also not only will I eventually answer, you can't weary me. And I love when he's like, and will not bear it with them. Like, don't you love that he's like, I'll shoulder this with you. I'm not just going to turn a blind eye, but I actually will bear it with you. Yeah. Until it is the right time, the right season, the right place, um, you know, for that. Like, there's so many things you learn about God just in those few short things that you're like, oh, he is good. Right, right. Yeah, and and it kind of makes you want to start out this lesson by like, is God good and can he be trusted? Right. And I love that he's like... Yes, look, if if this judge who had no goodness in him at all could do good, what do you think I'm going to do? Right, right. And I just actually like that, that, you know, the end of that seven, where it says that he will bear it with them. Because mm-hmm. in verse eight, the, the JST actually, if you click the little I or look at it, it says, I tell you that he will come, and when he does come, he will avenge his saints speedily, right? So... One day, there are some things, it's almost as if he's teaching, there are some things you'll have to carry, Yeah. right, until he comes. Uh, and, and he'll speedily take care of them. That's what he's going to do. But I love that question. He says, nevertheless, when he does come, shall he find faith on the earth? Yeah. So it's like, will he find people who didn't give up on him? Will he find people who didn't assume the worst about him and kept trusting his heart, even though they carried their burdens unresolved, you know? And, and I just think that's, that's sweet. And I love if you go to the end of that chapter, there's a story, that's a parable, but he actually interacts with this blind man starting in 35 as he was coming to Jericho. It says a blind man was on the wayside begging. And, and as they're passing by, he asked him, people um, we're talking to this blind man and they tell him that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by and he cries out in 38 and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody who is with Jesus in 39 says, stop, you know, <laughs> you stop yelling out and bothering him. And then in 39, this line is so awesome, but he cried so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and wanted him brought to him and, and starts has this conversation with him and and then uses that line he does receive thy sight thy faith hath saved thee and there's that line in there is one that uh, we hope you might focus on it's kind of what the question in the journal is when he says he cried so much the more that it might sound like people are hushing you like stop asking because he's not there but i just love that this guy um trust one of two things. One, either God is going to intervene through healing and or God's going to intervene by bearing this with me. Yeah. And and so cry all the more. 
Like and, keep reaching out. And don't you love in verse 41 when Jesus just looks at him and says, what wilt thou that I should do yeah. unto you? And I just want to think that that is true about prayer, that sometimes he's like, well, what do you wish I would do? And knowing he's going to weigh that in the balance and trusting him enough to say to him, this is what my, my hope is. But I also trust that you see a bigger picture than I do. And I love when you said, and if that answer doesn't come immediately, that he would bear it with you and bear it better because he knows what your deepest hope is. And if he's like, that's actually not how this is going to go, but I'm glad I know that's what you're hoping for because now I can bear the sadness of that part of the outcome with you until the better thing is revealed. And there's something I think about um, telling him what our hopes are, even though he knows them. Someone yeah. might argue and say, why tell him those things if the healing's not going to come? And if, and if he already knows it, why yeah. bother telling him? It's like, oh, there's something about, there's something really vulnerable about knowing the answer might be not yet, but I still want to express it. I still want to put it to him. I still and want to like just say what it is that yeah. I'm carrying and hoping for. And Because isn't that true with your own kids? That when, when they're going through something hard and you cannot problem solve it, you can't fix it. But to hear them express the pain of it or the part that they don't understand or, you know, what it is they're carrying allows you to actually... Um, bear it better yeah. with them because you're like, okay, I see why this is hurting so much. And, and now it's hurting me too, Right. you know? Yeah. So there's just something, I think I, I read this line once that prayer brings us into the happiness of God, oh. which was such a darling line. Mm -hmm. But I also just love that idea of just pr prayer's not a vending machine. And if the purpose of it is to be a vending machine, then we might be really frustrated with it. But if the purpose of prayer is to enter into the happiness and or to enter into the empathy of God, mm. then it always reaches the, the measure of its purpose because that will always occur. And, and I just, so I love the invitation in both of these stories to say, cry all so much the more. Enter yeah. in, you know, uh, so much the more in into this. And there's something really cool. We won't get there today, but that, Luke 19 is the triumphal entry. And so he's crying out to a God who knows what it means to, you know, disappointment and, and knows yeah. that like, you know, things, things don't, don't always, always turn out, right, go the way that you would hope and want them to go. And so yeah. it's neat that he's on his way to his hardest hour that this story occurs right yeah. there. Yeah. It's so good. We're going to go next to Mark 10, Mark chapter 10, if you want to turn there with us. And I love this story so much. And sometimes I don't know that we, we get a full understanding of what is happening here because we always stop before the greatest lesson is revealed. And so this is going to be the story of this boy who's going to come and he's going to talk to the Savior. I'm going to start in verse 17. It says, when he was gone forth into the way, and I love that both of these happen the by way. the way, yeah, you yeah. know, that he's like on his way to something else. He's, he, he doesn't come seeking out this conversation. He's on his way and he actually pauses to like 
enter into this learning situation. And he was gone forth into the way. There came one. I always love when it says one, mm-hmm. two, because again, it's this is not going to be a whole multitude teaching. This is going to be for one boy. And he comes running and he kneels to him and he asks him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Okay, we learn a lot of things in this one verse, in verse 17. Because think about what we learn from the boy's actions, but also from the boy's words. That's where mm. I want you to start. So first of all, he comes running. So how intentional, how you know, deliberate is his wanting to talk to Jesus? Second, he kneels to him. So right away, we're like, mm-hmm. okay, there is some form of respect taking place here. And third, he calls him good master. What shall I do that I shall inherit eternal life? And think about that because the question that, or the answer you expect would be for him to talk about eternal life. That's what the boy's asking. The right. question is, what should I do to get eternal life? And you love that Jesus is like, wait a minute, hold on, back up just a little bit. Why did you just call me good? Which is such an interesting place to start the conversation. Right, right. Because you're like, I, that's not why I'm here. I'm here because I'm actually trying to figure out eternal life. And he's like, yeah, could you back up to the first thing you said? And then he tells him this, because there's none good but one, and that's God. And I love thinking this. Was he saying to him, okay, why are you here? Uh, Do you know who I am? Are you coming to me because I'm a a master teacher? Hmm. Or are you coming to me because I am the good master and somehow you recognize that I have dealings with God? Which I love that. I love that he's like, let me figure out where your heart is before we even start this conversation. And that's actually our, our name for Jesus for this week. Mm. And on the poster and the if you're filling out the, the print here of good master. And the Greek for that it's on the paper is for the word master, which means an instructor, a doctor, a teacher, a trainer. And it's neat to think of the implications of every single one of those, you know, yes. like, oh, like an instructor, like what would they do? They wouldn't, that you know, their intention is to instruct, you know, yeah. the, to a trainer, like I'm going to do things very deliberately and particularly for a wanted outcome for you, yeah. right? Um, a doctor, right? Like I have meaning and reason behind the prescriptions and the, you know, and the practices that we are, that we're going through. And so that's kind of neat to think through that, especially when they're about to engage in a conversation. Right. Because I love that Jesus is like, I'm not answering you as an encyclopedia. Like you, yes. I'm not, I'm not. Well, you know. and I will. If you're just coming to me because you think I'm a good instructor, I'm going to probably answer different than if you are coming to me as if I represent God. Right. It's like, do you want to talk? That's why you're here. My answer is going to actually be a little different. bit different, right? Because how much do you want to engage in yeah. this? And so I actually love that he calls him good yes, master. I do where he's too. just like, listen, whatever it is that you say, you, um, there's yeah. the boy. There's whatever the boy. it is, like he's. Coming to him with that yeah. understanding of his character. Yeah, do you know right who off? I right. am? Because then this conversation is going to go a little bit different. 
And um, so he says to him, still, I feel like just looking at, you know, where are you at? And what is your question about eternal life? And he says to him, you know, the commandments don't commit adultery, don't kill, don't steal, don't bear false witness, all of those. And he says to him, master, all of these I have observed from my youth. And then there is my favorite verse in this whole entire chapter. This is what I wish we called this chapter mm. and this boy, but it's not. It's so funny that we go to the fault right. instead. Right. Because it says this then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Right? In that moment, just with that whole thing, the boy running and kneeling down and calling him good master and saying to him, I want to figure out how to have eternal life. And they're having this conversation. And I love that little pause where he's like, he just loved him. It's, it's what we talked about um, in our master class when we talked about um, our journey is not to be loved. We already are. Our journey is to become. That's what we're working on. And I love that this story shows that so well that he loved him already at the beginning, right when the relationship starts, he just looks on him and he just loves him. And we've got to keep that in mind for the rest of this story. Because if you love someone, you're not going to say, okay, what is the one thing I could do to make sure this boy walks away from here disappointed or feeling like a failure or discouraged. If someone loves you, they're not going to do that. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, and there's something about that word behold that I think is tender and also instructive in that he's just like, when you behold something, it doesn't mean it's different than he looked at him, you know? Yeah. But when you behold something, it has that like a tender look to it, you know? So there's that almost that fatherly look you know but also like it's interesting that he's like when he beholds him he's just like i see the whole picture with you i see the whole story and i love you where you are right now and i love you into your into your future and so what i'm about to teach you and talk to you about is very particular to you and you have to know it's motivated by love. By love. And it is this thing. Do you ever have this experience where you look at someone and you see where they are, but you're you're allowed the opportunity to also see their greatest potential? Mm. Sometimes people talk about, I saw the diamond where everybody else saw coal. Yeah. Right? That Where you're like, mm, I see like something amazing. In you, it's like that Michelangelo quote that we love, where he just carved against a stone because he saw the angel that was in there to set free, and that's what I feel like is happening here. Because I love that he just beholds him and he loves him, and then he's like, "Okay, if you're on that path to exaltation, that path of transformation, that path of becoming something more, what I think you should do." right now, because you are actually really good at all of those other things. What I think you should do now is sell what you have and give it to the poor and come and take up the cross and follow me. That's what I think you should do. And then it says this, and he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. 
and and we kind of end right there. And I just want to think of a couple things to add to the story as we're thinking about this. I don't think Jesus would ever give someone something that would destroy their chance at progression. I just don't think he does that, number one. Number two, I have been asked to do really hard things in my life, things I didn't want to do. Um, I can look back over the story of my life, particularly health challenges with my children and grandchildren that I want to say, I didn't want this. I don't actually want to do this thing. But I will also tell you, those are the moments in my story where I have been transformed the most. Those are the moments in my story that have grown me the most. And I would not be truthful if I didn't say for several days, weeks, months, and years after those, here's here's what you lack and this is what your mortality is going to look like right now because it's going to grow you. I would not be honest if I didn't say there were so many prayers where I prayed and said, I don't want this. I don't want to do this. This is not the mortality I wanted. Where I walked away sad, where I wondered if God was good and if he could be trusted. And and I'm not sad about this boy walking away from that moment right there because honestly, I think we all do. All of us at times in our life where we're like, that's too hard for me. I know I almost want to put a line in the in there for him that just says, I'm, I'm actually need a minute with this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, because we don't gonna, know what right. that boy did. We right. don't know. It doesn't say anywhere. Nicodemus walked away too yeah. on that first night in the dark of night when he had that conversation with Jesus, but he showed up at his grave with linens and myrrh yeah. and everything. And so... In my mind, I'm always like, let's not be so quick to judge what happened to that boy because we don't actually know. And having a relationship with the Savior actually means sometimes he's going to ask us to do hard things because he loves us. Yeah. That's just true about that relationship. And I think it's really interesting because when it says take up the cross, sometimes for us that feels super easy. You can go to Walmart and buy a necklace with a cross on it. And in those days... Well, those, I mean, <laughs> turn your skin green and like, come on. In those days, nice. they didn't have Walmart. <laughs> like if you took up the cross, you were taking up the most cruel and humiliating form of punishment there was. So it's so interesting that he was like, do you want to live a life filled with hardship and punishment and cruelty and humiliation, how many people are going to be like, yes, I actually do want to do that. You know, where I think Jesus was honest in, I'm not saying life is going to be easy. It's hard. But if you want to be part of what I'm doing, here's one step closer to me. And it's interesting because I think the most important part of the story comes after. We always end right, right there. And, and I would say too, like slide this in and because a teacher asked me one time, not me, a class I was in and um, in high school, was like, do you want your life to be easy? And then said, don't answer until you actually think about it. Yeah. Say, like, is that what you actually want? Or 
do you want the holiness? I'm putting words in his mouth. I'm just speaking to myself now that comes with the grit of life. Do you want it to be easy? Yeah. And fly through it? Or does your soul long for something different? And I want to say, or do you want to be instructed and doctored and taught and trained? Right. Because that's a different journey. That's a different choice if that's what you want. And it's interesting. And this part feels so important to me because he looked to his disciples and said, it's going to be hard for people who have riches to get into the kingdom of God. And I think in their mind, they were like, their, their life's so good. His life is so good, you know, right. and it's so easy. And and um, he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And then the disciples ask a really important question. And this, for me, becomes like the crux of the whole teaching. Because they say, who then can be saved? That's the question now of this whole story. And he says, with men, it is impossible. With rich men, with poor men, with blind men, with publicans, with sinners, it's actually impossible for anyone to be saved right. by themselves. Like no one can get in. And then he says this, but not with God, for with God, all things are possible. And I love the lesson that he teaches there about grace, that he's like, someone who's rich does not have an easier path to heaven as someone who is poor or someone who is blind, who in that culture would have been labeled a sinner. He was like, actually, none of those people has a way in except through me. Yeah, That's how you get in to heaven. It's through my grace yeah. is how you get in. And there's something about this story where it's like, when I read it, and I, and I want to put, you know, intentions into, in, you know, to Jesus's teachings, but sometimes the reason that a rich person might have, I don't think he's calling out rich people, you know? Yeah. But I think rich people are used to earning and deserving it mm-hmm. all. They're used to like, oh, and it's almost that boy comes up to him with like, what else? What else am I missing? Because I've done it all. Like, yeah. I'm, ri- like I'm super ambitious in this and I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And maybe Jesus was giving him a commandment that was too big for him to do on his own to help him realize like, oh, I actually can't do that. I'm so used to being able to do everything and handle everything. And maybe the lesson Jesus was trying to teach him was you actually, you can't handle eternal life. Like you can't be good enough. You can't be connected enough to earn and deserve eternal life. Yeah, you need me. You actually need me. In essence is what he's teaching. And that's the lesson he taught his disciples, right? Where they're just like, well, then who's going to make it? Yeah. If like goody two-shoes can't make it, who is? And yeah. it's just like no one by themselves. Yeah. It would actually be easier for a camel to go through a needle. Yeah. And he says, but with God. Anyone. It, anyone. Yeah, anyone. It levels the playing field for yeah. all people. Which and, is what's going to happen in that last parable that we're going to. I love when Jesus is like, watch what I'm doing right, right now because right. I am leveling the playing field. That's yeah, what I'm okay. trying to do. And before there, we're going to go to this segment, which kind of is going to teach this in, in just a different way, right? Because the, the parable, the rich, not the parable, the story of the rich young ruler is a real story, begs the question, like, are, 
Do you have this checklist, like get it all done, do what you're supposed to do mentality, or is it more of a heartfelt relationship, you know, here? And so if you go to Luke 18. Do you have a picture here or not? Um, no, I didn't leave a picture because I'm just going to be quick on this one. Just that, um, where he says this, he speaks this parable um, um, unto certain, verse 9, which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and therefore despised others, right? So he's just addressing something that's super common to humanity is this idea of just like, oh no, I'm good and my goodness actually makes me not like anybody else. And he says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, one a publican. Publicans were the tax collectors, remember? Pharisees, experts in the in, in, in obedience, essentially, yeah. right? They're experts in obedience. And the Pharisees stood and prayed like this. Um, oh, and I think it's interesting. It says, prayed thus with himself <laughs> in verse 11, you know? <laughs> it's like, yes. who are you actually talking to? Yeah. And he says, God, I thank you. I'm not like the other people who are adulterers and do all these nasty things, or even this publican. I fast twice a week. I tithe on everything that I own. And then he says, in contrast, the publican standing afar off wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. And he smote on his chest. He says, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says in 14, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And the reason that humility paves the road to exaltation is because humility recognizes the need for a savior. Like that's the question there in the journal. What's the, what paves the road? But don't get caught up that humility is one of the checklist things too. It's like, yeah. oh, be humble. And then you can't say, no, 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 you're getting caught up in that thing of this is why I'm so good at this. But rather, hold on, humility is what it connects us to him and he is the path and the road yeah. and the means. It makes you think of, I give unto men weakness. Yeah. Um, right? That they would turn for that strength beyond their own, that grace beyond their own. Weakness is meant to turn us to him. And I just, I love this thought because same with the um, boy. And then we're going to talk about it with this next parable we're going to go to is it is really easy to live a checklist religion. It's super easy to be like, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. Um, but what God wants is not a checklist. God is not a scorekeeper. He isn't. That just right. is not part of his character. He wants your heart. That's what he wants. And whatever it looks like right now, um, that's what he wants from you. And And I just, I love that thought that like, when he looks down, he loves you. And then he's like, okay, what I want is not routine. What I want is relationship. Yeah. And so what is relationship looking like for me every single day? How am I entering in? Yeah. And to be particular about what kind of relationship that is, because when we get into this last parable, um, it's in Matthew chapter 20 is where you find it. We're renaming it. Yes. Um, someone called it the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, whoever wrote all the headings. God bless them. Um, <laughs> we're, we want to name it the, the penny parable because we want actually the emphasis to be on that in here. Because yeah, on the, penny, on the penny, not on the laborers. And this is why. Because some people could have a business or a transactional relationship with God. They accidentally could have one. Mm -hmm. 
it seems like the good that the good boy. What was I ever called? <laughs> <laughs> the rich. I'm calling him the good boy. I just want you to boy. call him that yeah. from now on. The, the good, good boy, boy came to him and maybe said, "Like, oh, I've done this, 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 and this. Therefore, what else in my math equation do I need for e- eternal life?" Like, a checklist mentality doesn't mean that you're a rotten person. Right. You just might accidentally be caught up in that. And if you're from any Western nation listening to this, it's actually like the the run and vibe of your like of the world we live in. Yep. Right? Where it's just like, oh, earn and deserve and it's just kind of what yeah. where where we are. And then he says this the kingdom of heaven is kind of like this man who's a householder who went out early in the morning to hire laborers and they agreed for a penny a day. And he sent them into the vineyard. P.S. Pennies are the wage for the day. It's not like the Abe Lincoln penny, although we're going <laughs> to use those at the end, but to go work in his vineyard. And then he went the third hour and he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said, why don't you go into the vineyard? Mark this in verse four. And whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. And then the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And then the 11th hour, which is one more hour of the working day, he found others standing idle. And he's like, why are you standing here all day? idle. And they said, because no one hired us. Like no one came to get us. And he says, will you go into the vineyard and whatsoever is right, that shall you receive. And then verse eight comes and it's payday and you paid at the end of the day. And then he actually says, I want you to begin from the last and to the first. And in the parable, this um, householder is apparently trying to teach a lesson or make a point because generally you paid first, first, and last, last. That's how like the custom of payment was. And imagine if he did that, first hour workers would have gotten the penny and they would have been on their merry way. Yeah. But instead, he wants them to watch <laughs> what happens to kind of bring out the lesson, I think. And the last people, 11th hour, receive a penny. And the first people came, they supposed that they should have received more. That's the problem in 10, verse 10. But they likewise received a penny. And when they received it, they murmured against the, note that word. I love, he's the good man of the house, right? The good master. And we come back to like, is God good? And can he be trusted? So if there's something that happens in life, that makes us, and I, I think that's exactly what's happening in here. Whatever circumstances they've encountered in their life, they're making an assumption about God that is murmur-worthy, right? Yeah. And, and murmur-worthy assumptions are there's something unfair about you or there's something, you've done me dirty. Yeah, I can't right? trust you. Right, because they're murmuring against him, not against a situation. It's one thing to say like a tornado came and they, and they complained about the tornado or something like that. But it's another thing to like, it, this is directed at yeah. the, good, the good master of yeah. the house, right? These last people, they said, only worked for one hour and you made them equal with us. And, because, and we've borne the burden and the heat of the whole day. And, he, and then he says in 13, friend, I do thee no wrong. That should be another line that I think that we mark in there. Did not I agree with you for a penny? Take what is yours and go your way. And I will give unto the first, last, and everything. 
Isn't it lawful for me to do what I will with my own? Is your eye evil because I am good? Right, is the question. He says, so the last shall be first and the first last, right? Equal with, with all of them. Now, there's a lot of things that you could like look at this parable and say like, okay, okay, but to, to some degree, I actually agree with the first, know, the first laborers, mm-hmm. right? Like I remember when Jack and Christian both worked at the same place and they both got their paychecks and Christian's was so much more and Jack was like, I totally got scammed. And Christian was like, no, you didn't. I actually worked more than you did. And, but, and they were arguing. And I was like, so I could see a place yeah. where someone might, you know, like, wait, I actually agree, you know, that that is what's happening. But what if we kind of introduced an idea with this parable, um, and what if it's what if it's this? What if the penny is all that the father has, and which is in scripture repeatedly? Yeah. What right? What is he going to give us at the end of our labors? All he has. That's what he's going to give. He already told us. It's everywhere. I love when he's like, "Didn't you agree with me at the very beginning for all that I have?" Yeah. That's that's what I agreed to you for. Right. So what if that's it, right? So when the people come in and they argue and they say, wait a second, we should get more than everybody else. What is more than all the Father has? Like what would be considered more, more than than something like that? And there's a lot of different ways you could look at the you know the timing of this. Like what if you looked at it Sometimes we want to say like this has to do with just the age that we live in only. But what if you expanded it to be like the history of the whole earth, right? And you take people who came in at the beginning, right? Yeah, Adam, Adam, and Abraham, Eve and Abraham, and Moses, Moses right? And and yeah. say they're continuing their labors even now, still, right? Into into the spirit world and, yeah. and everything like that. And, and what if they're heirs of all that the Father has? Would they look down at us who came to earth later and say, wait a second, I, we should be getting more than what those people yeah, are getting. Are or getting. what about, like, don't you want to read that one part that says, um, we, we carried the burden in the heat of the day. And do you wonder about those who, like, were martyred? Do you wonder about the... 11 apostles who were left who all end their lives with death that are like, wait, shouldn't I get like more right. than what David's going to get? Yeah. He didn't do anything. He just <laughs> stood in front of a TV and taught scripture. He should get half of a penny. Right, right. But if God is actually in the business of giving everyone more than they ever could deserve or earn on their own, the parable actually becomes a little bit different. What's interesting is the people who are complaining in the parable are ones who think they should have more than anyone else because of what they earned, what they did. And it's that means they have a business kind of relationship with God. Whoever transactional. These, a transactional, right? Where they're just saying like, hey, I did this and this and this. Therefore, you actually owe me. This, this, yeah, and it's the, this. It's the elder brother mentality right. from the prodigal. Right. It's, you know, it is one. that same mentality of like, they've made God into a scorekeeper. Yes. And I love when he calls him this in 13, friend. 
Right. I do you no wrong. Like, I'm giving you all I have. And if you have all I have, then do you really care what anyone else gets? Because you got all I have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what if, what if everybody saw themselves as an 11th hour yeah. worker? What if they just, if everyone just pictured themselves and like only the people who assume they earned it are the people who are having a problem because we don't get the dialogue of the 11th hour workers or the in this, six or the six. But what do you think they're saying? They're like, Oh my goodness, you're the best <laughs> boss anyone's ever had in the history of bosses. I can't believe that you'd be this, this generous. generous and good to me. And for some reason, there is a mentality that can eke into people where they're like, wait, I deserve more than other people instead of seeing his generosity. And just his goodness. Yes. It's like the first hour workers, whoever they are, missed the generosity and goodness because they were so focused on what they earned and yeah, deserved. That they, that they couldn't even recognize the generosity and... This is one of the worksheets I've been looking forward to the most of this whole year um, is this invitation we are going to give you this week. Um, and it's going to be this penny parable jar. And maybe you'll print off this thing right here on the side. We left it for you so you could this and you'll put it on a jar. Yeah. And, and make sure you print it out because remember, you can get it in the email and in the app. Otherwise, you will cut into your questions for, for next week. For next week, yeah. so. <laughs> so photocopy it or print it yeah. from the app or from the newsletter. Um, but what we want you to do is start learning how to live that penny discipleship mentality of starting to look for the good master, like the good in your day. Where is the goodness coming from? Yeah, and break out of that, like, oh, I earned all this, I have transactional, but let God's like grace, let his mercy, let be overwhelmed by yeah. how good he is. I think that's the key to getting out of that mentality yeah. is to is allow yourself to be for yeah, overwhelmed goodness. by the good. And we kind of want you to do that every day for a little while, maybe even the next month where just every time you see God's goodness anywhere in your life or anybody's, right? Because all we're watching for is God's goodness, his, his overflowing goodness and generosity. You're just going to put one penny in every time you see it. And, and we want to learn from this penny parable. We want to learn to become the type of worker in the kingdom that is quicker to recognize God's goodness in our life, less, um, or, or over the wanting to score keep or to checklist or to, to add things up, but just to, to realize that, like, how good is he? Yeah, really? and, and the call in this parable is, from those first hour workers, you're so unfair, you know? And I actually want to say, like, you mean that derogatory, but that's actually quite a compliment yes. to him. Yes. You know, like, no one actually wants him to be fair and give us what we earned and deserved, yeah. you know? We actually want him to be wildly unfair like that's what yeah. grace that, is unfair yeah, that is what you want and it right? reminds me of that time when i was um with megan do you remember that time when megan was going through her divorce and things were so hard and she was having a really hard time reconciling god in her relationship and where she had gotten herself to and we walked over to my cute friend chris's house 
And she was laying in her bed and James was sitting right on this chair. Um, and I said to Megan, because sometimes when you're the mom, you can't fix stuff, you know? Yeah. You just can't. Which is why I love that we have mentorship programs in the church. Because um, I went over there and thought, they're going to say it differently than I would. And maybe Megan will hear it mm. differently. And so we started talking about it. And James said to Megan, do you believe in a God of justice? And immediately I was like, put up my guard. Because I was like... I don't think we should be talking about a God of justice to <laughs> Megan right now because she's already having such a hard time. Like, talk to her about the God of mercy. That's the God I want you to talk about. But I remember I had already made up my mind on the way over that I was not going to be the teacher. I was going to let them teach. And Megan said to him, I don't know. And um, he pointed to Chris, who had just come home from a surgery where all of her eye matter had been removed because of cancer and she was wrapped in gauze and she had stitches down her cheek and down her lymph nodes and she was laying in her bed looking like that and he said to Megan do you think this is fair and he pointed to Chris and she said no and he said do you think this is what she deserved and Megan was like no and he said I believe in a God of justice. I believe in a God who is going to give her what she deserves after this whole thing is over. And when you looked at that, I was like, I love a God of justice right now. I love a God that when he looks at those 11th hour workers and they said, nobody gave us a chance. Nobody offered us to be able to come in and earn anything. We were forgotten. We were left on the side of the road. We were in the margin that he was like, I am a God who gives 11th hour chances. Yeah. You know, and that what justice is, is probably greater than what we can anticipate right. from him. And all of a sudden you're like, I actually think I love a God of justice who what he feels like I deserve isn't what the first hour worker would have given me. And, and it's not what you deserve is not based off of what you've done. Or earned. Or earned, right? It's yeah. based off of, that's, this is where we have to switch the story. That like what you deserve is based off of his goodness. And his love. And, it, right. and him beholding you, loving you. Right. And man, if we could just, I think the solution to it is really to be just overwhelmed by his goodness, mm. right? It just, it, it will prevent us pointing fingers at him. It'll or at each other. Or at each other, right? Yeah. And it's like, just be overwhelmed by, if you are just swallowed up in how good God is to you and how good consistently he is to you. You have no time actually to compare your story to somebody else's. And you can actually celebrate all the good you see him pouring into other people because the good he's pouring into them is actually like a, a, a portion of what he's promised you also yes. someday. You know, yes. and you're just like, oh, what if it's like, oh, rad. Now I can anticipate, you know, let's just yes. celebrate. If I see how good God is to you, that actually expands his picture in my own life. Yeah, I'm just like, of wow, how good. He's even better than I, than yeah. I thought he was. And yeah. so that's the, that's the essence of this. And to have that 
reminder and maybe keep it out all year. We're at, we actually started in January with a jar because of this idea that was coming. I wanted to start early. Of, um, and we're just writing them down and putting them in because December 31st, I want to like bring them out. Like yes, our family I and, like, love that idea. It's like That's way this, better like, than a penny. Yeah, but yeah. you know, it's fun to watch it yeah. fill up. And then you're just like, it's a visual image of, and it changes the parable for everybody. Yeah. It's a visual image of like, oh my gosh, yeah, he is so good. So good, right? So good. Awesome. Oh, and now don't you want everyone to listen to the song, Good, Good Father? Yes, now that's going to be the song for the week on the app yes just, thanks for the idea it's yeah it's gonna be good it's so good <laughs> yeah the good good father look it up on wherever you listen to music, music. because then you just want to play that with the penny parable yeah, just let it overwhelm and t- do that do this as long as you want yeah if you ever find yourself in that place of like god's not being right to me or their life is if you ever find yourself the solution is get swallowed up in the goodness of god yeah So good. Okay, see you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.